this morning. Aren't you glad for the treasure of the Word of God? And turn with me, if you would, and let's stand for the reading of the Word of God, Psalm 84. Psalm 84, as we continue our series on this Sunday morning, on this matter of the treasures of darkness. The treasures of darkness. And I know that if you're like me, I think that as we go through some of these days and troubled times, I think from time to time it causes us to wonder how we're going to make it through. How are we going to get through this day? How are we going to get through this year? And I think it's during times like these, like we just read Psalm 142 with David, the thing we must always do is to run to the Lord. Go to God. Uh, Don't seek what this world has to offer. See what the Lord would have. And as we go to Him, we must trust Him. Trust God in all things and don't let, listen to me, don't let Satan blind you to the goodness of God. There's so much that we have to be thankful and grateful for. God's goodness, amazing. We'll talk a little bit about that even in our service tonight. But if you notice here, Psalm 84, and I want you to hold your place because we'll read one verse here. I'll I'll let you be seated. We'll we'll look at the entire psalm, which is not lengthy. But look at verse number 10 of Psalm 84. The Bible says, For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather... I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. If you get what the psalmist is saying here in verse number 10, he's talking about a day in the presence of the Lord. So many people just do church. They, they just do the Christian life. But let's just stop and, and, and just settle our hearts for just the next 20, 30, 40 minutes. And let's spend a day in his presence. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning, for the word of God. Use it in our lives. Lord, help us. And I know you will. By your spirit, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated this morning. When I look at this verse and even this psalm, God has created us so that we cannot live as we should without having communion with him. You see this all the way over in the book of Genesis where God created the man and then the woman And God would come down in the garden and God would walk with man in the cool of the day. It has always been God's desire, which to me is mind-boggling, for God to want to spend time with me. To have communion with us, that we would have communion with him. And so when I look at Psalm 84, what we must understand is this is a psalm about our worshiping him. If you think about, and I've had people ask, Pastor, why do we do this at church? And why do we do this? And how can we always do this? If you think about our service, every aspect of our service is a way that we worship the Lord. We come into his presence. We assemble ourselves together. Yes, we have Christian fellowship and we come to meet with him. As we come to church, what do we do? We praise Him. That's worshiping God. We sing praises unto the Lord. We lift our prayers to Him. That's a way to worship the Lord. Even our giving is a way to ascribe worth to Him. Because we know that everything comes down from above. That God is the giver of life, God is the giver of all things. And then we come to the preaching of the word of God and how the Bible tells us that 
we worship Him even by offering ourselves as living sacrifices, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. See, all of our service, if you want to call it that, and there's been many other synonymous terms that have been used over the years, as we assemble ourselves together, we came for one purpose this morning, and that is to worship Him. That's why we're here. This psalm is about worshiping God, and it gives us a beautiful picture as we get into it this morning of people coming to the tabernacle of the Lord. Now, if you know anything about the Bible, you see a picture here, and there's many different pictures, and there may be some better pictures out there. It was really just a picture's worth a thousand words, and how that in the Old Testament there wasn't an actual meeting or gathering place until God gave the instructions to assemble the materials to put together what is known as the tabernacle. It was a portable gathering place where people met with the Lord. And we find here that this this psalm is a, a picture of people coming to worship Him. And as they're coming into the tabernacle of the Lord, they're coming there to praise the Lord. By the way, anytime we step into His presence... We should always praise Him for who He is. I love one of the statements in this psalm that they who had come into the presence of the Lord, just like we today, were were going from strength to strength. We'll talk a little bit about that statement here, but look in your Bible here in verse number one of this psalm. And the Bible says, How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts, the word amiable is a word that we could use, translate, and not do misjustice to it. It means pleasant. How pleasant are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. Look, I don't know about you, but anytime I come into the presence of the Lord, that's a good thing. That's a pleasant thing to be in the presence of God. Remember what Peter said when he was there on the Mount of Transfiguration? He says, oh, it was good for us to be here. Why? Because he was in the presence of God. Now, it's interesting, you see the plural here for the word tabernacles. Now, there was only, at this time, there was only one tabernacle. I believe that the psalmist might have been considering the the various courts when it came to this tabernacle. When you study the, the, the actual put together, the, the various parts of the tabernacle, there was what was called the outer court where, where many could come to that portion of the tabernacle. And then there were those that could go from the outer court into what the Bible calls the holy place. And then there were very few, like the high priests, that were privileged enough to go into what was known as the holy of holies. And this is where we believe, according to the scriptures, that the high priest would atone for the sins of the people, that that the, the altar was there, the Shekinah glory of God. It was a place where, again, we understand it was a picture of, of Jesus, our great high priest, who would eventually be the one that would take away the sins of the world. But the Bible says here how pleasant I mean, I wish I had time this morning, and if you've never studied the various aspects of the tabernacle, there's significance there. When you think about, listen, God, when God created us, man, we are body, we are soul, we are spirit. When you study the various aspects of the tabernacle, the outer court, many believe, represents the body. When you step into that next section there, and you step into the holy place, that represents the soul. And when you step into the holiest of holies, it represents the spirit. There's a great study. I mean, I'm not even scratching the surface, but listen, I'm going to tell you something. Whether you're in the outer court, whether you're in the, the holy place or the holy of holies, it is pleasant to be in the presence of God. And that's what the psalmist is saying here this morning as he says here, how pleasant, how amiable are thy tabernacles. Now look at verse number two. Here's what he says as he continues. He says, my soul longeth, yea, even fainteth 
for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. The believer in Christ, look, you and I, we should, as the psalmist here is expressing, we should long to be with God, to be with God's people. Uh, folks, I'm going to tell you, look, we've, we've had this talk and there's no doubt that there are sicknesses and there's diseases and there's things in the world. But I'm going to tell you something, as real as those things are, understand that there are many today that are trying to keep God's people from gathering together to meet with God and to be with God's people. And the Bible says here, and I, this has been my heart, is my soul longeth, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh, they cry out for the living God is what he says. Our hearts and our flesh, listen, should pant after the Lord. I want to be in his presence. I want to be with the Lord. Look at verse 3. He continues, yea, the sparrow hath found an house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my king and my God. Look at the sparrow and, and the, 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 uh, uh, the, 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 uh, where the, she may lay her young and the, and, and the nest for herself. Look, if they can have a place where, where they can meet and they can assemble, hey, listen, I have a desire to be in thy tabernacles, to be around thee. Look at verse number four. He says, blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be still praising thee. And then he uses this word selah, which is a word that many times means to just think about that pause. To reflect on this thought, blessed are they that dwell in thy house, they will, they will be still praising thee. No matter what happens, no matter what we go through in life, because we know the Lord, because he's in our lives, he's ever present, the Bible says they will still be praising thee, Selah. Now look at the next verse. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. Now as the psalmist is writing here, I believe it's a really a, a picture, even I love how, how accurate and how current the Bible is even in 2020. And when I look and read this psalm here, it reminds me of how many believers, not unsaved people, many believers today are spiritually experiencing this very same journey through the valley of Baca. The, the psalmist talks about this. Baca is actually, it was a literal valley near Jerusalem, but the word Baca actually means the place of weeping. The psalmist here is using this valley of Baca, he's using it in a symbolic way to illustrate a difficult and a sorrowful path in life. I think a lot of God's people have spiritually experienced or maybe even right now are going through this valley of Baca. Every Christian, if they have not, sooner or later, every one of us will find ourselves going through this valley. And the Bible says it is one that is filled with tears. And as we go through these difficult times that the Bible promises, God says clearly how you and I, gives two promises in this psalm, how we can be victorious even during some of the most difficult and hard circumstances of life. Notice the first promise there in your notes. He says here that we will not be in this dry valley forever. Notice what the Bible says in verse 6. Look at the words. Who passing through. Doesn't say we're staying there. Doesn't say we're setting roots there. That we're driving a stake deep there. That this is the end of life. He says, who passing through the valley of Baca. 
the believer is promised, according to verse number 6, that we will get through it. The Bible says that refreshing rain will come. That means that God will provide all that we need even while we are in the valley of Baca. So understand here, look at Psalm 30, verse 5. Weeping may endure for a night, but look at this, joy cometh in the morning. See, God is telling us that from heaven, He will send what you and I need as we go through these times, the valley of Baca in our lives, He will give us what we need to satisfy our soul in a dry and thirsty land. And God says, look, one promise that I will make to you is you will not be in this dry valley forever. Now, the second promise is this, is that it is not our strength, but it's the Lord's. See, it's not about us. Many of us have tried that. Look at verse number seven. The Bible makes this statement, they go from strength to strength. Look at verse 5, blessed is the man whose strength is in thee. Our strength, yours and mine, it's insignificant. It's insufficient. We cannot make it on our own strength. We need the Lord to help us through these valleys of Baca. And most of us feel like we just live from weakness to weakness to weakness. I know that, and I've had many times in the past week that I've sat and I've thought about many times I've had with Brother Gilbert. And Brother Gilbert, like many of us, struggled with things in his life. And I'll tell you, the one thing I appreciated about him is that even though he was in his 80s, like some of you, he was always letting the Lord work on his heart. Now, there were times where he would try to do something in his own strength. And I mean, you, if you knew him, you knew him well like I did, he would posture himself, he would take his stand, and it didn't matter what I said as his pastor, he was going to do whatever he was going to do. And I learned probably after the first time that this happened, I kind of gave him some space. And it wasn't, in most cases, more than a couple days would go by and either his white van would roll through the church parking lot and stop, or he'd call me and say, I'm coming by the church. He never asked, he just told me. <laughs> and he would show up. And he would come into my office. And in his roundabout way, he would pretty much tell me how God had been working on his heart and what he said before, and it wasn't right, and this and that. And he struggled from weakness to weakness. Maybe you're stronger than I am, but I've experienced going from weakness to weakness to weakness. I read in the Bible where great men and women of God had moments of weakness, struggled. But the Bible says here, blessed is the man or woman whose strength is in thee. The Bible says that God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. Think about that. When we come to the end of ourselves, that's when God can actually start to work. And I love the thought here how God says, look, it's not about you. It's not in your strength, but I will promise you that I will get you through this. And God's supernatural strength and his grace are completely sufficient. Look what the Bible says in Psalm 46, 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Aren't you glad for that verse? I mean, when no one else can help, when no one else can do anything, and the psalmist says in verse number two of that psalm, therefore will, will not we fear. Look, I have nothing to fear. Why? Because God is our refuge. God is our strength. 
He is a very present help in trouble. The psalmist continues in verse number 8. Look at it. He then says, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. I love these. Many times we read our Bible, we just gloss over that word. But think about that. He says, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear. He says, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. Verse 11, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Love that word there. See, if you think in your life of things that you don't have, maybe things that you think you should have, the reason we don't have the things that we should is because many times we are not walking before God as we should. Well, how should we walk before God? Here it is. Look at it again. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. God will meet our needs when we are walking with him, when we are walking according to the word of God. Look at verse number 12. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth. It's one thing to say, I trust the Lord. It's another to live your life trusting the Lord. You know, I was teaching the teenagers this morning and enjoyed their time with talking about the will of God for their lives. And we ended on Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. I told him, I said, you know, it sounds odd, but many times we want to know what God's will is so that we can do it. But you know what the Bible teaches? We should be doing the will of God so that he can show us what he wants for our life. I love this psalm here. Blessed is the man that trusted in thee. This is a, this psalm again is about worshiping God. Well, <clears throat> folks, look, it all begins with a personal faith in Christ. If you know Christ as your Savior, then listen, as you came this morning, how amiable are thy tabernacles, did you come this morning to meet with God? Because I'll tell you this, there's a God in heaven that wants to meet with you. And the Bible tells us here that we can come before him. Look again in verse 10, a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather been a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. I thought about that. You know, we've read this verse. We, we joke around a lot about it sometimes, but... This, when you look at this here, the lowliest assignment, if, if you could actually think of one, because I think anything we do for the Lord is important, but the lowliest assignment in God's service, listen to me, is greater than anything, any position the devil could ever offer to us. Even the lowest position, being a child of God, even if it is for only one day, you will live for the Lord and with the Lord in heaven forever. Because listen, once we are a child of God, we are his child forever. Nothing changes that relationship. And if you live just one day as a child of God, you will spend all of eternity with him. And if you live, look, we can live on this earth all of our lives and, and grow old and be an old man. But if we are a sinner and we've never, we've never put our faith and trust in him, then according to the word of God, at the end of life, we will be eternally separated from God forever. But when you look at this psalm, he's talking about what do we do with our days? How do we spend the time that God has given to us? And I want you to notice, first of all, this morning, that every day, not just today, every day is a gift from God to us. Every day. I love this little quote I heard years ago, every day is a gift from God and what we do with that day is our gift to him. What are you going to do for the Lord today? 
Because whatever you do for the Lord, that's your gift to Him. See, God gives us this gift that many times we don't think about, and it's called life. And you think about this gift of life, and it doesn't matter which way you look at it, it's still precious. It's still a wonderful gift. I mean, I'm going to tell you something. What's the alternative to life? I'd much rather be alive today. You know? Now think about this, folks. The life that God has given to us, how precious. See, we tend to value one day over the other. Every day is a gift from God. Today, say, Pastor, you don't, you don't know what happened this morning. You don't know what I, what I have to do this coming week or what I'm going to face. Every day is a gift from God to us. You have to view it that way. God has given us something that is precious, and that is life. Every day is so important, and every day we need to make sure that we don't take it lightly. As I think about this, a lot of things happen every day. Look in your notes there or on the screens, some statistics that, that happen. Listen, every day in America, now I will say this, I'm going to preface this, these statistics were actually from a decade ago. So I will tell you this, without even really knowing for sure, I would dare say accurately that these statistics are much higher than what you're seeing on the screen. Notice these statistics. Every day in America, 10,800 people are born. Every day in, in our country, 7,452 people die. Now listen, that's not even counting COVID. This was, this was a decade ago. Every day in America, 6,567 people get married. Every day in our country, 3,197 people get divorced. Every day in America, 1,994 babies are born to unwed mothers. Every day in America, at least 71 people are killed in traffic accidents caused by a drunk driver. Every day in America, children, children see six commercials on TV depicting somebody drinking alcohol. 33 acts on TV of violence, 38 references on TV to some sort of sexual act. Now, you know those statistics are way higher. Every day in America, 4,110 people start smoking and another 1,000 people die from smoking. Every day in America, 3,500 babies are aborted or, should I just say, murdered by appointment. Folks, the statistics go on and on and on. This is just to paint a picture this morning. By the way, an accurate, real picture of what happens every day in our country. Not in the world, just in America. And that's why I want to say to you this morning that as the psalmist was writing here, and he was writing this psalm of worshiping the Lord, that you and I need to get up every day and realize that today, just like every other day, is a gift from God to me. God's given me this life and this wonderful thing that I can use for him. Look what Psalm 90 says in verse number 9. The psalmist says, For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are three score years and ten. Now, if you know anything about a score is 20, three score is 60, three score and ten is 70. So the Bible says here, the days of our years are three score and ten years. It says, and if by reason of strength, and by the way, where does our strength come from? The Lord. And the Bible says, in other words, if I live longer to be longer than 70, if I live four score, that's 80 years, yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon, look, it's talking about life, this life that we have, it is soon cut off. You ever, you ever just blinked your eyes and your kids are grown? You ever blink your eyes and you're an old person? People, one, of our, one of my dear brothers in Christ texted me and said, Happy birthday, old man. I reminded him that I was still younger than him and had less gray hair. But life is soon cut off. Let's read on. The Bible says when it's cut off, we fly away. Interesting. 
Who knoweth the power of thine anger, even according to thy fear? So is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. You know what God says? You need to consider that today, tomorrow, every day is a gift that I'm giving to you. And that's why he says, teach us to number our days. Every day is important. Look at the next verse. He says, return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. O satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. I love, look here, I love it when somebody gets, gets older in life and they don't lose the joy of the Lord just because they're getting older. I love how many of our members are just, they have that spirit of Caleb. It, look, it's not diminishing the older they get. They are actually getting more excited. Why? Because they realize they're closer to being with the Lord for eternity than they were many years ago. And they're very excited about what God has every day. Every day is a gift from God to us. That's what the psalmist is saying here. So he says, look, he says, let us rejoice and be glad all of our days. Let us, he says, make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us. Notice that, talking here, I believe, a reference to like what we're studying this morning, the Valley of Baca. He says, even though we're going through some of these valleys, times that we're being afflicted, he says, the years wherein we have seen evil, every day we live on this earth is a gift from God. That's what we see. And at the end of life, you know, here's what many people, and I've, I've talked to some, I've had the privilege, others, I just knew their wishes. Many times as they get to the end of life, they want to retrieve some of what they've wasted. But folks, we can't get it back. But what we can do is make the most of today. Make the most of what God has given to us right now. And death, when you think about it, and by the way, uh, the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment Unless the Lord comes back, we're all going to step through death's door. It's a reality of life. But what death does is it reminds us, as the psalmist writes here, of how suddenly life comes and life goes. Now, if you're thinking this morning, Pastor, couldn't you be a little bit more encouraging today? Couldn't you have just preached something that would make me feel... all, Folks, honestly, what I'm talking about this morning should make you feel good. Because, look, do you want to stand before the Lord one day and hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant? See, folks, look, it's a wonderful thing to know that one day we will be with the Lord. We will be in His presence for all of eternity. But we don't have to wait until that day. We can be in His presence every day. Every day is a gift from God to us. Job said, man is born, uh, man that is born of a woman is of few days, few days. And of course, because we're man, notice he says, full of trouble. <laughs> but see, the Bible says that we're a few days. And when you think about that, look, I hope that thinking about how short life is and how it's soon cut off and we fly away, I hope that if there is some bitterness or something in your heart that ought not to be there. Look, make sure that if there's anything unresolved that you get that right, you get that out of your heart. Life is too short. Our lives, as he says here, should be lived pleasantly and we should not hold on to things because as we consider without a doubt, every day is a gift from God. Look at Psalm 139 and verse 14. The psalmist says, I will praise thee. Why? For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. By the way, you are one of the works of God. And God fearfully and wonderfully made you. And he says, and that my soul knoweth right well. That's why he said, I will praise thee. See, every day. That's what we need to be reminded of today. Every day is a gift from God to us. But then notice that God gives us what we need for every day. Aren't you glad for the provision of God? I don't know about you, but there's many days where the Lord gives me 
something that I need to make it through that day. As we think about this psalm here, it reminded me of the psalm that we've been studying on Sunday night, Psalm 23. I love Psalm 23. Many of you know it. Some of you know it by heart. You can quote the whole psalm. But when I think about this psalm and how he is our shepherd and we are his sheep, the sheep really can't do much for themselves. That's why they need a shepherd. And see, God gives us what we need. Look at Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I love these words. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. You going through the valley of Baca? I'm with you. He says, I will never leave you. He says, there's nothing to fear. Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And then he says this, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord for how long? Forever. So I look at that psalm there, and what you and I need, listen to me, what you and I need for every day is God's goodness and God's mercy. Every day of our lives, and as we go through this valley that is being described symbolically here in Psalm 84, the valley of Baca, that as we go through this dry valley and we're filling it with our tears, we're heartbroken, we're going through difficult times, trouble on every side. Listen, not only does God know we're in that valley, God is going through it with us and God will see us through it. And I love here how God gives us, while we're going through these difficulties every day, what we need for that day. And I don't know what your need is this morning, but I can tell you this, there is a God in heaven that knows what you need today. And all you have to do is ask. And the Bible says that he will give what we need. God knows what we need, and he gives it to us for every day. Every day is a gift from him. And then notice that God is greater than anything that we will face any day. To me, this brings great comfort in my life because I think about how busy. How busy are we oftentimes in life, myself included, that we don't just stop, Selah, and consider the Lord. God, what are you doing today? God, why did you allow me to go through this? Why am I having to deal with this? Selah. Just consider the Lord. Step into his presence. How much richer, how much better, how much more peaceful would our lives be? If when we go through these difficult times that we would just stop and consider how much he cares for us, how much he loves us. Look at Matthew 6 there in your notes. Love the passage. The Bible says, why take ye thought? Why do you sit around and wonder if God's going to be good to you? If God's going to take care of you? If God's going to provide for you and supply your needs? Why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies. I love how God says, just look at this little bitty flower. He says, look how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin, and yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Look, man, man cannot create like God can. God says, just look at the intricacy. 
you, you think of the human body. I was talking to Brother Osvaldo, and Brother Osvaldo has been studying for some of his medical stuff. He hasn't been able to be here and is actually uh, just headed to the Dominican Republic for a quick visit. I was talking to Brother Osvaldo, and we were talking about Brother Gilbert. And he said, Pastor, he said, when I was around Brother Gilbert over the last year, he said I was trying to help him through the, the minefield of the medical aspects. And he said, he goes, most people don't know this, and, and even myself included, I knew Brother Gilbert had a lot of medical issues. But here's what he said to me. He said, as I started to just try to be a blessing and help Brother Gilbert with some things, he said he was dealing with 31 medical issues. 31. And how we complain when we get a sniffle. You know, you think about that. How God says, look, you, you don't even understand how magnificent your life is. The body that I've given to you. Your heart that keeps pumping blood. The oxygen that you breathe. See, God is greater than anything we will face any day. When I look at this, and he's using the lily of the field. And he says, even Solomon was not arrayed like one of these lilies. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which the grass today is, and tomorrow it's cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For even after all these things do the Gentiles seek. He says, for your heavenly Father, I love this word, if you're in a habit of highlighting, underlining, your Father knoweth. God already knows before you even ask. He says, your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. He says, but seek ye first. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. God will take care of you, but seek ye first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness, and here it is. If this helps you and all these things, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, all these things will be added unto you. And then he says, take therefore, you know, he comes right back to where he started. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. Don't worry about tomorrow, for the morrow shall thou take, uh, take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. See, everybody is so anxious about what's going to happen tomorrow. Listen. There is enough, every one of us, that we have to deal with every day that we do not need to borrow trouble from tomorrow. <laughs> Just deal with today. And here it is again. God is greater than anything we will face any day. So as we go through times, look, it's okay. I, I'm kind of a planner myself. It's okay to plan for tomorrow. But listen, we cannot live tomorrow today. Live life one day at a time. You get around some young people, and they're, they're nine years old going on 16. Be nine. Don't be 16. And understand, God has given you a gift. What God's gift for you today is today. And what God wants you to do is honor him with today that he's given to you. It's his gift to you. What you choose to do with it is your gift to him. And as we think about this, Look, you and I, we can ruin today, and here's how, by living tomorrow today. Just live day by day, live today. We can be unhappy today, and a lot of people experience this. They're unhappy today because they're thinking about tomorrow. They're thinking about what they're going to have to deal with. Some of you right now are thinking about what you're going to have for lunch. Don't be thinking about lunch. Just be thinking about what God wants for you right now in this service. Many times people, and I've done this myself, uh, sometimes I'll, 
I'll wake up in the morning and God will wake me up early because of something in my mind that I know that I have going on that day. But a lot of times what we do is we stress and we, we take thought as we just read there in Matthew chapter number 6. But the fact is, is that we will face nothing in a day. Listen again. We will face nothing in any given day that is greater than God. God is greater than, and when you think about all of this, as you consider what the psalmist is saying, it becomes increasingly clear that when we come into the courts of God, we start to understand it a little bit more. Because we come into his presence, when we come into his presence, here's what we discover, that God is able. That God can take care of all of these things. A day in his courts is better than a thousand, is what the psalmist says. And as we experience many things in life, listen, who doesn't experience some sorrow in life? But as we do, we can find our strength. We can go from strength to strength, from our strength to his strength. God can enable us. God can help us. And in the Lord's presence, we can experience these valleys of Baca, as the Bible says. Look at Psalm 48, verse 14. The Bible says, for this... God is our God. What's those next four words? Say it again. Forever and ever. He is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide unto what? Unto death. Now, you know what I thought about? The Bible says he's going to be my guide unto death. You know why? Because God knows that after death, we will be with him. He won't have to be our guide. We will be with him. But I love this, how he is our God forever and ever. The journey that the psalmist is writing about here in Psalm 48, or excuse me, 84, he's talking about this journey of a faithful Christian, and he uses this analogy about the tabernacle of God and coming before him into his presence, and he's talking about going through times of hardship and how these times of hardships are really a step-by-step step expedition for us in the Christian life to go from strength to strength. And as we live our lives, look, Jesus has given us the victory, amen? But as we think about the victory that we have, then we understand that today in our lives, positionally, we can have victory in our lives every day. But one day, we will enjoy victory practically because we're going to be with the Lord in his tabernacle, which we also call heaven. And we will be with the Lord for all of eternity. And this, this psalm here, making description about going through this valley, it is symbolically talking about the privilege and the longing of those who follow the Lord's path, the life that God has given to us, to what we call, or what the Bible calls Zion, the homeland, where we will go to the highest point. And I love what the, psalm, uh, the Bible says here in Revelation 21, Look at this. The Bible says, and God shall wipe away all tears from our eyes. Look at this. And there should be no more death, neither sorrow, neither crying, neither shall there be any more pain. There ought to be some right there that say amen, right? Now look at this. For the former things are passed away. You see, there won't be any more valleys when we're with the Lord. See, heaven's going to be a wonderful place. You say, boy, I just wish, Pastor, we could avoid some of these valleys in our lives. Listen, it's going through those treasures of darkness that we actually step into his presence. He's there with us. And I love what Peter writes. Look at this, 2 Peter 3, 8. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day, one day, is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. What a wonderful thought this morning. And here's, here's the thought is, will you live today, listen, today, in God's presence? Would you bow your heads with me this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning? I think... If you're like me, maybe whether it was Brother Gilbert this week, maybe one of your loved ones, family members, close friend, I think there are times in our lives where we are reminded 
And death many times brings those thoughts. What's interesting is, is that I had this message from the Lord before Brother Gilbert passed. But thinking about his life, 86 years is a long time. That's beyond four score. God certainly blessed him with a long life. But his life was soon cut off. He's with the Lord today. He's run his race. But if you're like me, it just gave me a reality again this week. That the valley of Baca is not a bad place. The Lord allows us, and I love what it said, who passing through. See, we're not going to stay there. Joy comes in the morning. But it's in his strength and not our own. Who are you trusting in? Because the Bible says, blessed is he whose strength is in the Lord. Are you trying to live your life by your own strength, what you can do, or are you trusting in the Lord? I pray this morning that you know Christ as your Savior. Let's stand to our feet this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. The altars are open this morning as the piano plays. I wonder, maybe you're in a valley right now. Why don't you come and spend some time with the Lord? Maybe you've shed some tears, a difficult time. But you know, as we go through those valleys, God's there with us. He knows what we need. If you need to know the Lord is your Savior, why don't you come today? Why don't you come and we'll take the Bible and show you how you can know for sure that heaven would be your home someday. See, the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Many years ago, Brother Gilbert trusted that promise from the Lord. And that's why he's in heaven today. Not because of anything he's done. Does your soul long to be with the Lord? See, sometimes I think what we do is we think, well, it's going to be wonderful in heaven. What about today? You can step into his presence today. I'll let you be seated this morning.